In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. While Haley was reading that gospel, Chris Christopherson came to mind. Why me, Lord? Would that I would have deserved that gospel? It's a difficult gospel to talk about today. Talks about calling people a fool, cutting off your hand, taking your eye and pulling it out, looking at a woman with lust. And goes on to talk about divorce. But then I look ahead and I find it's Valentine's Day in two days. So I've decided to talk about marriage because we're the only creatures that have families the way we do, through love. The only creatures who can feel what we feel, promise what we promise, and hope what we hope as we choose our life partners. Then we look at the end of that gospel and it says, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And if he divorces her except for unchastity, he causes her to commit adultery. Not a husband to divorce his wife, but a man to divorce his wife. Notice the man is known by who he is, a man. Woman, though, is known by who, what she does, who she is by what she does, his wife. That may be why it's so difficult sometimes to preach about marriage from a biblical standpoint. Almost everything we find in Scripture about marriage is written by men from a male point of view and usually by men who have never ever been married. And I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> These are difficult words, painful words, harsh words that hurt some people sitting here right now this morning who for one reason or another have had painful marriages, broken vows, and maybe separated or divorced. And so with that in mind, that I was going to talk about marriage, I decided to take a little extra time in the checkout line at Kroger the other day. I found that 46 years ago, 46 years ago, Tiny Tim got married on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. How many of you watched it? You're lying. I did. I know more you did than that. Too. I lied. I'll be honest about it. I watched it. I'm not proud of it, but I stayed up then. <laughs> I also discovered while I was standing there that Nicole is going to have a $6 million tell-all about the real reason Tom divorced her. And then drugs, plastic surgery, and secret lovers are the real reason Keith left her. I don't know who Keith is, and I don't really care, to be honest about it. And then I found out a man is suing his wife for his kidney. While they were married, he gave her his kidney, but now they're getting a divorce, he wants it back. <laughs> or a million-dollar settlement. Then I'm sitting in the doctor's office the day before yesterday, and there was something in there about Kim and Kanye, and I just turned it off. I did I don't care. Some people today say the institution of marriage is being endangered from without. It is not. We are doing it. We are doing it to ourselves. One would think that after almost 50 years in the priesthood, I might be an expert on the matter. Because during this time, I performed somewhere between 400 and 450 weddings. 
I've taught courses on marriage and family, performed beach weddings in Destin and Gulf Shores and Santa Rosa. I've flown from coast to coast, from D.C. to Tiburon, performing weddings. So I should be an expert on the whole matter. But the truth is, I've performed many, many weddings. I've only had one marriage. And there's a big difference. In getting ready for this day, although one of my meetings came to mind, I talked about it a couple of years ago when I was here in adult class, but I want to talk about it again. It happened when I was chaplain at Ole Miss, the second wedding I'd ever done. I met the mother-in-law the day of the wedding and introduced myself. I said, hello, I'm David Elliott. And she said, I'm not very glad to meet you. That didn't sound too good because I knew in the counseling she did not like the girl her son was marrying. We came to that part where it says, if there is anyone here who can judge just cause, or these two persons are not lawful to be married, let them now speak, or else forever hereafter hold your peace. And she said, me. And it scared me to death. I stopped the wedding, I went over and asked if she had anything else to say, and she said, no. I just want to go on record as being against this marriage. I've never found another priest that ever had that happen to him. I called up Bishop Allen and told him what had happened. He said, you did the only thing you can do. When I was at St. Peter's last year, I went to the service book. I looked back where I recorded it, and it says, mother objected to the wedding. She got her wish. She shouldn't have been there. Weddings in the Episcopal Church, depending on the number of attendance, last somewhere between 12 and 56 minutes. I've done them with four people involved, the bride, the groom, and two attendants, with over 40 people involved. The bride, the groom, the clergy, the choir, acolytes, and 31 attendants. They all last between 12 and 56 minutes. The marriage, though, is for a lifetime. Marriage is serious business, the wedding is not. Now, I'm not standing up here and fussing at all mothers or brides. I'm simply saying the wedding day is not that important. Take that back, I erred there. The wedding day is important, it must be important. What I'm trying to say though is if people, if the couple spend as much time preparing for the marriage relationship itself as they do for the wedding day, there'd be a lot less divorce. If they spend as much time and energy in getting to know each other on a deep, meaningful level as they do on the wedding day itself, there'd be a lot less divorce. The Episcopal Church also requires counseling before the priest performs a ceremony. I like to try and have somewhere between two and four or five hours. After counseling, I've denied four couples, or six couples that is, the right to be married. I said, I will not do it. Come back later and we'll talk some more. Marriage is hard work. It takes a lot of patience, understanding, compromise, communication, trust, love, and forgiveness. And there has to be forgiveness. Without it, there will be no relationship. Without it, there will be no marriage. And one of the most beautiful prayers in the whole service goes, give them grace when they hurt each other to recognize and acknowledge their fault and to seek each other's forgiveness and yours. 
It doesn't say if they hurt each other, it says when they hurt each other. And when you love someone, you're going to hurt them. When you love someone, you're going to make them angry. So go to them and seek their forgiveness and say, I'm sorry. Don't ever, ever let pride get in your way. And always live with a sense of humor. Laugh together and laugh at yourself. And cry together. Share your joys and share your sorrows. And then there are the vows. The vows each says to the other. It's these vows that keep persons together through good times and bad times. Through happy times and sorrowful times. Through laughter and through hurt. Through fights and disagreements. Over children, finances, and in-laws. It's a commitment to love, honor, and cherish until we are parted by death and exist apart from the way I might be feeling at any given point in time. It's a vow that recognizes that there are some days I may not feel like taking out the trash or you may not feel like taking the kids to ballet lessons or football practice. I may not feel like going to see your mother, but I'm committed to you and I'm committed for life. It's a commitment centered both in heart and in mind. It has to be acted on in both places. Then our gospel tells us this morning that the reality of our broken world is that none of us are born to angels and none of us are angels. The tragic reality of our broken world is this promise to love one another unconditionally and exclusively forever sometimes fails. For whatever reason, people change and circumstances change. Marriage can get stale and toxic or angry or depressed and relationships can dry up and self-destruct and break down under pressure. I think the most painful moment in a marriage is the awareness that a relationship of love and trust is now dead. The pain experienced then is just as great as the pain experienced when someone we love dies. In both instances, one mourns a death, a real death, the death of a relationship. And the death of this love can be just as real, just as painful as the physical death of someone we love. And so is there any hope in a divorce? Is there any way to redeem a relationship? Is Christ present with those who are divorced? And of course the answer is yes. Christ came to fill suffering with his presence and those undergoing the trauma of divorce suffer, often as much or more so than anyone else. And Christ is present, present in their suffering as he shares in all of our sufferings. And so on this day, may we offer all of our relationships, those that prosper and grow and those that fail and die to God's never failing care and love, knowing that God is doing for us better things that we can desire or that we can never pray for. And thank God he is. Amen.